Welcome in to the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by Seat for Wednesday, December 30th, 2020, the last Wednesday edition of 2020. I know we are all ready for this year to end, but if December 30th rings a bell, it's not just because it's my dad's birthday, shout out, shameless plug. Nope, it is because 20 years ago today, this happened. Going on fourth and 14, will punt it away. He hangs it very high, angling it for the near sideline. Hakeem dropped the ball, securing the Saints' first playoff win. You gotta love that call. Well, we'll be getting into that and so much more, including Alvin Kamara winning the NFC Offensive Player of the Week Award on today's show with Larry Holder of The Athletic. Larry wrote an article ranking the Saints' potential opening playoff matchups from best to worst, and without giving away all of the nuggets of information, we wanted to have Larry on the show to talk about playoffs on the horizon. Okay, let's jump right in. Here's my interview with Larry Holder. Larry, I have to ask you, where were you when Hakeem dropped the ball? And welcome. (laughs) Thanks for having me, Caroline. Uh, I was 20 years old, so I guess I was in between semesters uh, while I was at LSU and certainly remembered watching that because I remember, let's see, the previous Saints years, maybe I wasn't paying as close attention to the team at that point, uh, but certainly... Had a few beers in your system, it's fine. Well, hey, 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 no one's advocating for underage drinking because I was 20, <laughs> so I was... Well, well, let's see, it, was it 2001? Was I, did I just turn 21? I Like, hey, tomato, potato, whatever, yeah. So, uh, but look, all I remember is that the most obscure player on the team became the hero for so many years. Uh, I also remember Brian Milne's sweet mustache. So I think that has to always be in lore for Brian Milne. But look, for someone who basically uh, was kind of a role player for the Saints at that time, he wasn't Leroy Glover and he wasn't Aaron Brooks. And, you know, he wasn't this major role in the overall scope. So many people remember him and – uh, I just remember hearing Jim Henderson's call and it's almost like uh, the demons have exalted themselves uh, when he makes the call. And I think that makes it so much better. Uh, but the play in, in and of itself, look, the Rams were on their way back. You're thinking, Oh no, here we go. Uh, of course the Rams are, were a juggernaut, uh, you know, so the entire thing uh, just to get that first playoff win again, it, it's like the, the demons floated away uh for 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 saints history and will always go down in saints history brian milne he will always be your trivia question and if you don't know it as a saints fan shame on you you should always know that yeah shame on you indeed and you know larry we've we don't do a mailbag but we have a lot of people reaching out on twitter and i've i've told people that you were going to be coming on the show and they knew that you were going to bring up the mustache and they wanted to know when you're going to grow your own mustache inquiring minds want to know well, I think if Saints fans remember, I went the opposite route uh, about four years ago. Oh, when, no. 
uh, let's see, my colleague, uh, this is when Jeff Duncan and I were at the Times-Picayune and we were doing Duncan Holder on the radio. And the Saints went 0-2 that year in 2017. And I said, if the Saints win 10 games, I'll shave my head. Well, guess what? They won more than 10 games. And I had to shave my head uh, cue ball holder. And so I just went the reverse route. And so uh, I don't know. I, I, I do say this. My wife actually prefers... Uh, if I had a mustache over a goatee or a beard, mm. she's just, but no, I, I don't, you know, I don't think I'm going to go the mustache route. You know, I'm getting too many gray hairs in my, my uh, almost 41 year old uh, uh, stubble I've got going on. Keep it clean. You know, I wish I could make the same bet with JD, but maybe I should just make him grow out his hair. I think that would probably be the better bet in that situation. That would be perfect. I've never seen him in my life with hair. Me either. That would be fantastic. All right. Let me write that down before I forget. Um, so Larry, on to our next uh, point here. This morning, we we learned that um, Alvin Kamara earned the NFC Offensive Player of the Week. I mean, how could you not give it to him after scoring six touchdowns, six rushing touchdowns in one game? Um, I have to know, what was your reaction when you were sitting in the Superdome watching that go down? I knew that the Saints offensive line was out for revenge uh, against the Vikings. There's no question about that. And even Marshawn Lattimore obviously doesn't play offensive line, but he admitted after the game that they wanted to beat the Vikings because they are well aware of what's happened with them in the last couple of years against uh, them in the playoffs. But I knew that the Saints offensive line would walk in to the Superdome with a heavy advantage. And I think Alvin Kamara is right. He gave plenty of kudos to that offensive line. I think Teron Armstead went blindside and uh, took a guy into the stands almost at some point. Uh, So it was certainly a performance for the ages. And I know Saints fans are wondering, why did Taysom Hill have to vulture touchdown number six? And it could have been number seven Seven, later. Uh, And so uh, don't blame Taysom. Hey, uh, you know, but look, I think it's, it's something that, probably shouldn't shock us with Alvin Kamara. He's he's such a great player and we know he got uh, the long-term contract in the off season and he has proven it. Uh, He's well worth the money. And I look at it in the sense of if Michael Thomas could win the offensive player of the year last year, Mm -hmm. I think Alvin Kamara is certainly in the running for that award this year. Maybe not the MVP. We know that's kind of a different ball game, Uh, but I would have to say that his performance all year, and I wouldn't look at it just in the terms of yards because he doesn't receive as many touches as a Derrick Henry or a Dalvin Cook, which makes his production on average more impressive and the 21 touchdowns overall even more impressive. So you add it all up, and he has been phenomenal this year. And uh, I'm not going to expect six touchdowns every week, but <laughs> I've come to expect at least two or three. I mean, that's that's how good he's been, right? I mean, at least. And, and then the the videos afterwards that came out of Teron Armstead. I mean, did you see that as as the game was going on? Did you see how he basically just manhandled their defensive line? I didn't see, say, the one play where I saw it looked like he took a guy to the stands, but you right. could see the way that they were just manhandling them. And it's funny people would ask me, man, Drew Brees, I don't know if he looked that good. You know, he threw for zero touchdowns, uh, 300 yards. Dude, they rushed for seven touchdowns. They ran all over them. Drew Brees will take that every day of the week and and get a big win. So 
Uh, I think it's a game that the offensive line, uh, they wanted that revenge, like I said earlier, against the Vikings. They got it. And it was, you're missing guys like Andres Pete and Nick Easton's been out with a concussion. And so uh, to have Cesar Ruiz play well, obviously you expect great things from Armstead and Ryan Ramchek. Uh, but to have Ruiz play well, James Hurst play well, you expect good things from Eric McCoy. This is a game I feel like that O-line, they put that together and will give them a little bit of an extra boost of confidence uh, going into the postseason. All right, well, let's get into the postseason because you wrote an article. It was released on Tuesday, I believe, uh, ranking the Saints potential, potential opening playoff matchups best to worst. And I thought it was interesting you did it position by position, and then you did an overall matchup at the end. So this article was written under the assumption that the Saints do not get the number one seed, because in order for that to happen, the Saints would have to win on Sunday. The Packers would have to beat the Bears, and the Seahawks would need to, or Packers would have to lose to the Bears, and the Seahawks would have to um, beat the 49ers. So first of all, why did you choose to write the article, breaking it down position by position? Because I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I do a weekly cheat sheet on the athletic for each matchup. And so I like to dive into, all right, what, what position groups maybe have the advantage over the other. So I've done that all year. And so I felt like I might as well take a look at it in that sense. Uh, I'm more familiar with Tampa and Chicago because I've done those cheat sheets. So I'm familiar with their personnel. And it's that's not the reason why my rankings went the way they were, because I have the Bears as the most favorable matchup, I would say, in the opening round and Tampa Bay the worst. And some might say, well, Larry, why would you have Tampa Bay the worst, given the way they've played them these past couple of years? Look, I just don't want to see Tom Brady necessarily in the playoffs early. I want the Saints to kind of get back rolling. Good win against the Vikings, have a good win against the Panthers. And maybe the Bucks go down at some point. You don't, never have to face Tom Brady. But uh, I just feel like I know there's the cliche, it's hard to beat a team three times. And yeah. I know people will say, well, Larry, they did that against the Panthers in 2017. I get that. But let's just try to avoid that if you can. But still, I still think the Saints match up well. I think they, the Saints could beat any four of those teams. Let's, let, let's, let's not – don't get me wrong. I think they should beat all of them. But – I'm still not totally trusting Mitch Trubisky as a quarterback. Like he didn't play with the bears uh, against the saints. The last time they played him, I know David Montgomery is running the football well, uh, but I still feel like the saints defensive line can match well against their offensive line. Their skill position players. They don't totally scare me, even though they have big names on their defensive front. Uh, they haven't been as productive. And then in the secondary Kyle Fuller, he uh, he's probably he's easily their best cover guy, but everyone else uh, in the stats dive I do, they have an opposing passer rating of above 100 and it gets higher, uh, you know, throughout the secondary and the linebacking core. So I feel like the Saints could probably move the ball uh, either which way they want to. And so that to me is why I feel like it's favorable. I understand the quarterback situation with the Rams and say Arizona gets in and Kyler Murray's still a little banged up. Yeah. I get that, but I still feel overall that the Bears, to me, would be their best matchup. And it's not just this past year. Look, they played well against Chicago last year as well. So I feel like the Saints have the Bears number. And to me, if they're if the Saints are the two seed and the Bears are the seven seed, if I'm a Saints fan, I'd be happy with that matchup. 
and I don't want to give away all the gems that are in your article because I want people to go to The Athletic and read it because it is a fantastic article. But at the bottom, you talk about overall matchup and you just address it a little bit. Let's let's start with the Bucks and, and you you kind of just alluded to it and that, you, you know, it's hard to beat a team three times. Tom Brady in the playoffs is probably a different animal. But if I can play devil's advocate, be a, a, a person of the people here, um, why specifically would you say that you wouldn't want to face the Bucks? again inside the Mercedes-Benz Superdome where they basically handed it to them the last time they saw them there. I feel like that the offense for the Tampa Bay Bucks is starting to click. I know yeah. they haven't played a lot of great teams lately, but Tom Brady on a roll with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown, uh, that's something that I think could be troublesome. And I'm also kind of looking at it in the sense of can Marcus Williams come back 100%? Quan Alexander, we know he's on injured reserve now. You know, that's a significant loss. And so can, can Trey Hendrickson come back fully healthy? I know he missed last week's game. So, and, you know, I want to see that defensive front kind of get back to where it was. And so, you know, to me, though, it, it comes down to Tom Brady in the playoffs. It's, yeah. He doesn't lose very often. And if you don't have to see him, Maybe you don't want to see him, but it, Come it's on. I, Come uh, on, Larry. Drew Brees in his potential last year inside the Superdome. I mean, granted, it's probably, you know, a lot less fans than usual and Tom Brady. I don't know. Maybe I would like to see that a little bit. Maybe see them in the NFC championship game and, and, and then Drew Brees. See, I, I just I just don't want some opening stub your toe thing. I know people are are still having kind of the shakes because of what happened last year uh, against a team they should have beat. I mean, they should have. And so, and the Bucks, that's a team they should beat. All these teams that we're talking about, these are teams they should beat. Yeah. And so, uh, look, I don't know. Just call me maybe a nervous Nelly. I'm not sure. But uh, do I think they could beat them? Yes. But last thing I would want to see uh, uh, for the Saints would be something fluky happened. Tom Brady beats him. And then all the here offseason, it's, oh, Tom Brady beat him when it counted. So that, that's just me just kind of being a nervous Nelly. No, that's good. Uh, count me in as a nervous Nelly as well. Um, okay, let's move on to the pan uh, the Cardinals, excuse me, and, and you know, those four teams, I don't think I mentioned at the beginning, four teams that they could potentially play if they do not lock in that number one seed. Bucks, as we just mentioned, Cardinals, Bears, and Rams, uh, as Larry mentioned. So when you look at the Cardinals, how concerned do you get with that Hopkins, potentially Lattimore uh, matchup? It's one that that's why you had Marshawn Lattimore. Uh, so that he would certainly be like glue on him, uh, at least try to be. And even like glue, sometimes he can make some incredible catches. So like, I, I don't know if that matchup scares me a ton, but it's something, it's one we would have to watch. Uh, to me, Kyler Murray, I, if he gets to the playoffs, I'm assuming he's going to play. So he is a mobile quarterback and someone who I feel like might give the Saints a little bit of trouble. We saw Jalen Hurts kind of give the Saints a little bit of trouble uh, against Philadelphia. Uh, Patrick Mahomes can move a little bit, uh, but I do feel like that the Cardinals, they're kind of on the downslide. Look, ever since they had the Hale Murray play against Buffalo, they have really just kind of been on thin ice and their run game outside of Murray, he gives a good running attack, but their run game doesn't scare me a ton. Their defense overall, they're a little better than maybe anticipate, but I don't think they totally scare me. And it's funny, you think of Patrick Peterson, and yet 
um, teams have been able to go after him and his passer rating, I think is around 100, which you would expect a little bit better uh, from him. So I just feel like they're on the downslide and yet they're playing uh, the Rams and they're beat up too. So who knows what's going to happen uh, with that matchup? Yeah, it's it's something that I think we're all going to keep an eye on. Uh, when you look at the Rams, Larry, what and you mentioned the Bears earlier, what intimidates you I, I, or what has, is your hesitation with the Rams? Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, one, two, bing, bang. And that's really, that's really, (laughs) that's really it. Like their defense, uh, I feel like uh, that, that vaults them uh, a little higher in my, in my perception, just because I've seen Aaron Donald play a ton. Uh, Jalen Ramsey's one of the best there is. And overall, their secondary is very good. Uh, The pass rating against them uh, is around in the eighties, basically. And some players are like forties and 50s they're very good against the pass and so uh, even if Jared Goff and uh, his thumb injury would prevent him from playing uh, obviously there's speculation that he could return for the postseason he doesn't necessarily scare me I know Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson their run game is really what drives them they're banged up too it's more about the defense it would be a low scoring game again We've seen fluky things happen against the Rams. I don't want to see any flukiness uh, go on. Right, exactly. So, We're too nervous Nellies for those. <laughs> exactly. So I, it's Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and that, and that secondary. Uh, that would be a tougher matchup and, and why I'm a little, little hesitant to maybe face them. Yeah. Um, well, I've tried my best to tiptoe around your article while also plugging your article. So make sure you go to The Athletic, uh, Larry Holder's article ranking the Saints potential opening playoff matchups from best to worst. Again, he does it position by position and then an overall matchup at the end, which is fantastic. But Larry, before I let you go, you mentioned Quan Alexander. He has reportedly been moved down to IR for the Saints. We're waiting on Sean Payton to confirm that. Um, but I do believe or with a ruptured Achilles, you're not coming back in the three weeks that it takes to come back from IR. So he is probably not going to return for the season. What kind of impact is that for the Saints? Look, there's a reason why they traded for him, uh, because he's an effective three-down linebacker, and you like the way he can pass coverage. He's kind of a do-it-all kind of guy. And so, uh, unfortunately for him, his MO has been injuries, and this is something, it's freak injury, and and he he didn't happen. He didn't hit anybody. And those are the worst ones to watch. And so you feel for him. And yet Alex Anzalone time for you to jump back in the starting lineup. Uh, Is this a important time for him? He's, he's entering the final few games of his contract with the saints as his rookie deal expires after this year. And so if there's ever a chance for him to, make a bit of a statement and to kind of bounce back from basically being demoted uh the time is now so uh, it's it's his job and i'm, I'm sure the saints and uh, defensive coordinator dennis allen and michael hodge is of course the linebacker coach they're gonna have to get him uh, uh revved up and ready to go and play absolutely all right larry well, we appreciate your time be sure to very follow larry holder on twitter at larry holder i don't know why i had to look at that because it is simply your name uh but we appreciate your time and i will let you know how the uh the jd bet goes with growing out his hair hopefully you know if the saints win the super bowl i feel like you throw it out can we just buy him a toupee like a really bad toupee i think <laughs> that would work <laughs> thanks so much all right caroline thanks for having me 
All right, Saints fans, that'll do it for the Wednesday edition of the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. Quick reminder, don't forget, you can still vote for Demario Davis to win the Walter Keaton Man of the Year Award. All you have to do is go on Twitter. It's on his Twitter page. I'll retweet it on the at Saints Pod Twitter page. You can go on the Saints Twitter page. All you have to do is tweet hashtag WPMOY challenge and then put Demario Davis in, and that will be your vote to get him as the recipient of the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. All right, thanks to Larry Holder for joining me on today's episode. I'm Caroline Gonzalez. We will have another edition of the New Orleans Saints podcast 